Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Real Tings Podcast, episode three, act three. Yep. We put in a number. It's, it's only three, but it's better than one. Yeah. We're putting up some numbers. All mm-hmm. right. Well, welcome to episode three. I'm Pika, a.k.a. Young Kate. That's what I'm going with. I just decided. <laughs> There's a nickname. Killing them, Young Kate. Let me just point out my shirt for today. Got to catch him, y'all. Little Kentucky shirt. It's an Ash Ketchum uh, Pokemon. See, I didn't even catch that. Oh, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. This shirt, um, I thought it was cute. I seen it in kids. They told me they didn't have it in adults. So I picked out another shirt and then some girl ran through the store to chase me down to let me know that they did have it in my size. So I actually ended up having to buy two shirts and I didn't want to buy two shirts. I only wanted to buy one because they're like $25 a piece. So I ended up buying both because I'm a sucker. Well, shouts out to the lady who chased you down in in the store. Yeah. So that's my Kentucky shirt. What you got on over there? I got on, a, you know, a racist top hill figure. Hill figure? You said a racist top? Yeah. <laughs> People still wear Tommy though. I know, but I mean, it's a myth anyway. This is but, a myth. Yeah, all that shit that they say he said at the Oprah interview. That's just not. I true. didn't see the Oprah interview. Okay, okay. Yeah. I think it wasn't a myth. I think it was misinterpreted. But I, I get it. He ain't say what we thought he, or he yeah. didn't mean what we thought he meant. That's he what he said. No, nah, I think I think the story got remixed years down the line, and then it turned yeah. into he don't want niggas wearing his clothes, <laughs> which he definitely did say. But are we sure? Yeah, yeah, it was on Oprah. Okay. All right, well, I guess so. That's what we wearing, and what are we drinking tonight? You want to introduce the drink, or do you want me to do it since I picked it? Well, you did the mine last week, so I mean the the, the week before. So what is this? Um, uh, whiskey smash. Yep. And this is I have. Now you're gonna you're gonna talk shit about mine. Of course. Because I used the Kentucky gentleman. Okay. But I got the glass bottle and not the plastic bottle. <laughs> Baby steps. What made you get Kentucky Gentleman again, really quickly? Because yesterday I had uh, the Woodford. And I killed it. Well, that's bourbon, which is grown-up whiskey. So you're allowed to use, like, a whiskey, but I just don't know why you would keep going to this type of whiskey. I just... And so you were gonna, fine to drink the, the the Woodford yesterday. I commend you on on having Woodford because that's my shit. But this Kentucky gentleman. I was in a rush. I just grabbed it and then I left. But I did get some bougie um lemons from Italy. <laughs> from Italy? It says Sicilian. You got okay, you got Italian lemons. Yeah. And then okay. I got the organic um mint. Okay. Which it took me forever to find it until I Googled it and I found out what section it was in. What aisle and stuff it is? Yeah. What store did you go to? Safeway. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with those. But yeah. <laughs> Shout out to apps telling you exactly what aisle stuff is on because I exactly. use it all the time in Target because if I go in Target for anything other than what I'm supposed to, I always, for some reason, end up spending $62. It always comes to about $62. 
Yeah, everybody who goes to Target always go for one thing and then leave with a bunch of stuff that they didn't need. Which is fine at Walmart, but at Target, it's $62. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, okay. Back to the drink. With, oh, with and, this, and the simple syrup. Mm-hmm. I and did you make your scratch. own simple syrup or did you buy it? I had to make it from scratch because I realized that um, we don't have sugar like that. We just have sugar packets. And um, so I just commenced to ripping these packets open so I can get this thing going. Bust, you busted the packets open? Yeah, I had to bust them down. You got to do what you got to do. I, uh, Of course, I would have made my own. I bought sugar to make my own, but I still have this bottled simple syrup. But I like the bottle. So when I make my own, I'm just going to cool it and then put it in this, this bottle and just use that as my simple syrup bottle because I don't think I would use a ton of it. But it'd be nice to have it like in the little squeeze bottle. It's yeah. in a little simple syrup bottle. All right. So the drink is really simple. Uh, it is. Tastes really good. Um, it's light. Good, like lemonade vibe. Can you taste your mint? Um, it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not really at first. It's like it's like at the beginning and then it fades away real fast. And it's gone. Yeah. I can taste it a little bit. We all know my taste is compromised. Fucking COVID. But I didn't go fancy on the whiskey. I have a really nice whiskey. One of my employees gifted me. Well, I wouldn't call it really nice. I have a wild turkey like limited edition, and it's actually signed by the distiller. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. But I Googled it, and the bottle itself is like $50. I don't know if him signing it increases or decreases the value, but I've had it like two years now, and I haven't opened it. Maybe I'll open it to add to my Infinity bottle. I don't know, but I didn't go all out. I just have good old Jim Beam. Okay. Standard whiskey, bougie simple syrup. How'd you do your lemons? Seedless lemons, huh? Did you Like you muddled it? Yes, I did muddle it. However, I don't have a muddler. I looked for one at Kroger and they got me. I used the end of a spatula. <laughs> but like a baking spatula. So it's kind of wide. Oh, uh, okay. Don't judge me. I didn't use the spatula that you flip pancakes with. <laughs> no, no. I use like the end of like a really thick silicone spatula to kind of muddle it. The first time I messed it up, I ended up chopping it, which probably is why I didn't get rid of that that minty essence uh-huh. but i paid attention on the last one but i like it i can actually taste everything in this i can taste the lemons i can taste a little bit of the mintiness like on an inhale yeah and then i can taste the the whiskey so yeah and then it cuts just, it, it cuts out the the harshness of the whiskey yeah 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 i could see myself not making this at home because i'm not about to muddle lemons and mint or keep those on deck well i didn't muddle anything <laughs> what did you do? I got the, the squeeze joint. But the one's from Sicilian, though. Edward. I figured if I was going to spurge, I, I might as well just do it on the lemons. It's the same thing. Anyway, you splurging yeah, it was, on it was lemon a... juice, not lemons. It's the same thing. Mm. Is it? Where does the juice come from? Lemons. 
It does, but they put like certain preservatives and stuff in it to make it stay fresh for longer. That makes it weird. And it was two dollars and <laughs> okay. Well, I ain't gonna judge you versus the 79 cents. I guess I'm not gonna judge you this week. All right, cool. <laughs> what do we want to? Oh, sorry, I was looking at my notes. Um, how would you rate the drink? I would give it a. I give it a. I give it a five. Eh, I say a four. I give it a five. Just because I feel like we're relying heavily on the bourbon, mm-hmm. and everything else is just kind of extra. Like I could have had Jim on the rocks, and been equally as fine. And I don't see myself making this again outside of tonight. I think I probably could. I think I probably would. Um, Actually, I would to be fancy and to muddle something because I'm I'm gonna have to now add a muddler to yeah. my inventory. I might pull out, you know, some mint sprigs and some lemons and muddle on these hoes one time if people come over, but it'd have to be pretty fucking fancy for me to do that. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. I can. I can do it real quick, especially since I didn't muddle anything. I just, just a couple of squirts here. Well, then boom. it doesn't count for you since you didn't muddle anything. Why? It's, it's the same thing. No, Somebody already muddled it before I put oh, it in the so bottle. Oh, so you didn't muddle the mint either? The mint, yeah. What? Yeah. How do you muddle the mint but not everything else? Because I didn't, I didn't want to go buy no lemons. I just bought the juice. Oh, okay, okay. That's why you said since you didn't muddle anything. I guess. Well, yeah, I, I stick with a four, maybe three and a half, four. I feel like there's other stuff out there better than this. But if you're trying to be fancy with some whiskey and you don't want to do like a traditional whiskey sour, then yeah, this may be where it's at. Or old fashioned with bourbon. Yeah, this this may be where it's at then. I'm on the fence about it. I like it. I see you've already killed it. Yeah. It was, I knew it was going. I knew it wasn't going to last that long. <laughs> That's why I made two in my shaker. I should have made it a bigger glass. <laughs> right, moving right along. Okay, so you're going to have to, you're going to have to go off of your notes. Okay, no problem. Um, so the first thing is the webcam. My what? Because my phone is the webcam, so. Oh, okay. Not a problem. So our movie tonight, per our last episode, is Harlem Nights. And this was somewhat closing our Black History Month since we started late in Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Or what I like to call Black, Black, Blackity, Black <laughs> History Month. Because Black people have been showing out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a good way. We win in all the awards. We're succeeding in sports and with everything that's going on politically, we, we just, just black. Like it's, it's a time to be black and be proud about being black and to let everybody know that you black. So we decided to do Harlem Nights, which is a, I think a staple in your black movie repertoire. If you haven't seen Harlem Nights, either your parents didn't love you. Yeah. Or you were adopted. Yep, and you're definitely going to get a lot of side eyes from people if they find out that you've never seen the movie. Yeah, that's the same side eye that they give you when they find out that you don't know how to play spades. Oh, yes. That's that same side eye. Yes, or if you fucked up the potato salad. 
Yes, yeah. Damn, potato salad will literally break up families. It will. <laughs> Good thing is, I don't make potato salad. I can make deviled eggs, but I'm staying away from potato salad because y'all not going to talk about me. I never, I never made deviled eggs. I'm going to try one day. I feel like if you can make tuna and you can make potato salad, then deviled eggs should be a breeze. Cool, because I make a bomb-ass tuna, so it should be it should be cool. I made some tuna the other day. I digress. All right. <laughs> Harlem Nights. Let's talk about it. So, um, well, you want to give uh, the synopsis? Of course, yes. So, Harlem Nights, it's rated R, which, of course, when you see the actors and actresses that are in this movie, there's no surprise that it's rated R. Right. I don't think it would have gotten away with being anything else. But excuse me for, for reading this because it's it's actually a long synopsis. All right. In the waning days of prohibition, Sugar Ray and his adopted son Quick run a speakeasy called Club Sugar Ray. When gangster Bugsy Calhoun learns that Sugar Ray's place is pulling in more money than his own establishment, the Pity Pack Club, he pays corrupt cop Phil Cantone to close Club Sugar Ray down. Quick doesn't exactly help the situation when he falls for Calhoun's gun mall, Ms. Dominique LaRue. It's a, a nice synopsis. I like when it doesn't give away the entirety of the plot. Mm. It kind of stops. And if you've seen the movie, which I hope you have if you're watching this, because we definitely give away spoilers, but it cuts it off. And then you, you know that there's more that happens in the story. So I like that it doesn't divulge all of that in the synopsis. Had you not seen it, you'd still be pretty much out of the loop of everything that happened, which a good synopsis should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, that's the one thing I you try to you have interest in a movie and then you either read the synopsis or you watch the trailer and then it gives it all away and you're just like the fuck did I watch this shit for? Yeah. Or it puts shit in the synopsis or the trailer that aren't that important or that never happen, and you're watching the whole movie waiting for that thing to happen. Oh uh, yeah. Like, the like they changed up the movie last minute. Yeah, that's disappointing for sure. So um so, okay, so this movie was um, directed by Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. and um, which remains to be his only movie that he's directed, mm-hmm. which is kind of surprising. Um, he, he It says that he always wanted to direct and star in a period piece um, and work with Richard Pryor. Um, of course, I guess every comedian at that time, Richard Pryor was like, basically the godfather i guess of of comedy to them yeah um the movie itself uh was on a 30 million dollar budget um it grossed 95 million um it was distributed by paramount pictures the production company was eddie murphy productions also written by eddie murphy and um produced by mark litsby so Mark Lisby is a executive producer on a lot of other Eddie Murphy shows. It's like Native Professor, um, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Boomerang, Vampire in Brooklyn, Come to America, Another 48 Hours. So it seems like they do a lot of work together. Is he black or white? Um, do you know? We'll, we'll look I that don't up. Know, I don't have a picture of him. Just because uh, if anybody tuned into the last episode, we talked about Paramount as far as like music with Ma Rainey, how they picked her up. Mm-hmm. And then 
Paramount obviously had the right idea by investing in black creatives and yeah. they invested in Eddie Murphy in this. And with that gentleman, I'm not familiar with him, with him being involved in this, I was just wondering if he was African-American and maybe that's somebody that we like missed on our radar. Right. Or if it's just a, uh, a I'm man. assuming by his last name, he's, he's probably not. <laughs> okay. He is a man from the Caucasus Mountains. So let's so. see. I'm trying to see if I can Google a picture of him real quick. Nope, he's a white guy. Oh, okay. So he just fucks with Eddie Heavy. Is basically Seems like, it. yeah. Yep, good old so white I, guy. I have it down that Eddie also executive produced it. So he directed it, he wrote the screenplay, executive produced it, and then starred as. Because he himself as the highest paid actor on this one. Now, the surprising part to me, um, reading on the background of it, is that the film, like, generally got negative reviews oh yeah yeah we'll talk about that it didn't get great <laughs> reviews at all you think that has something to do with why he didn't want to do anything else um i don't think so i don't think so you think so no i read where after they asked Eddie questions about this movie and his choices, uh -huh. he said that he wasn't really focused on it. He was more concerned with where the next party was. And that's a direct quote. So no, it doesn't surprise me. At this time, like Eddie, Eddie, party all the time, Eddie. Yeah. This was just something for him to knock out, I think, and say that he did. And then he was cool with being the actor and party guy, or comedian and all that other stuff. I think he was just riding the 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 fame wave for a little while and this was just something else that he wanted to do. So I didn't, I didn't catch that vibe watching it. Um what vibe? As far as it was just one of those like a one off type thing. Well, I mean this was the only thing that he did. Right. But I don't know. But um as far as the cast, um of course you got Eddie Murphy. You got Richard Pryor, you got Red Fox, you got um, Michael Lerner, Della Reese, Belinda Tobert, Stan Shaw, Jasmine Guy, Lena Rockon, Rock, Rock. <laughs> you know what I meant. Rock. Uh, <laughs> Arsenio Hall, um, Thomas Michael Ford, Miguel Nunez, Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's brother, and Robin Harris. Oh, you left out a few. Um, I read who I leave out. Danny Aleo, um, oh, Ray yeah. Murphy, their yeah. uncle. You left out Ronaldo Ray. Did you say Robin Harris? The name's not listed on here. What? Yeah, I just I just damn, read everybody. Damn that paper. Let's talk about the people that are damn that paper. <laughs> these are these are big people, and the reason why they're highlighted for me is because I looked at how much of this cast is currently deceased. There's a lot of people that's dead in this movie, man. Yeah, but I mean, it was, it was three generations of actors. Mm-hmm, very movie. much so. And I, I, I get that, but mm -hmm. what? Three people we lost in the same year. All like from this movie and then three people from a heart attack that weren't in the same year, but this list is really long of people. What is it? 
Well, I, I guess I can go ahead and name them, not to step on your toes about the casting and stuff, no, but prior, Red Fox gone, Della gone, Danny's gone, Tommy gone, Ray gone, Charlie gone, Robin Harris gone, Ronaldo gone, and the Snaggletooth dude, G2, hey, he's gone too. Like, everybody did. Damn. I mean, this movie was out a long time ago, but Della, Charlie, and G2, we lost all in 2017. Mm-hmm. And then Richard Pryor, Red Fox, and Robin Harris all died from heart attacks. So it's just wild that there's so much comedic greatness in this movie. And like 90% of the cast is like gone. Yeah, this was um, back in 1989. Mm-hmm. So you know what this was, was based off of, right? The movie? Uh, back with Bumpy Johnson and all that stuff going on with yeah, running and, um, yeah. uh, Doug Schultz, Mr. Schultz, the, yeah. the, the numbers runners. Yeah. One of I my mean, other I favorite movies. About it. I don't know a lot about that history, but I do know that it was based off of that whole numbers running game. And then the rest of it is kind of fabricated. Yeah. One of, one of my, uh, other favorite movies, uh, Hoodlum. With, That's uh, actually on something. If this is gonna like revoke my black card, then I don't want to say it. But uh, you don't tell me you've never seen the movie. Nah. No. Nah. Listen, my mom was like super strict to me, not my brother, but to me. Like I remember laughing at Friday too hard one time, and she told me go bed. Like I was not. <laughs> I'm dead ass serious. <laughs> I was never allowed to watch certain type of movies however music was my thing so like marcus makes fun of me all the time like i've never seen menace to society all the way through but i had the soundtrack and i bet you i could rap straight up menace better than mc8 himself because i wasn't allowed to watch those things so then i'd listen to the music to kind of get a feel for what happened or what was going on or yeah i've never seen hoodlum I know who's in it. Like I looked at trailers, I looked at movie posters, I did stuff like that. But there are certain movies that I feel like this is a safe place. And if it's not, then whatevs. But I feel like I can say <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. But have I seen Schindler's List? Hell yeah. But I've, I've just seen Schindler's List probably like for like maybe six months ago. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, I can see why it was had all those. Um, accolades, um, but yeah, I just seen it six months ago. Yeah, and um, for some reason, I just refused to watch it, and then you know, quarantine <laughs> happened, and I was just like, ah, might as well watch it. And then it was an enjoyable movie. Quarantine had people watching things they wouldn't normally watch, so I understand. Yeah. So it's a good thing that you have this podcast now so you can watch movies that um that you haven't watched. So we can add that to the list. As long as I don't say out loud that I've not seen something. So when you say, oh, yeah, that's a good movie, I'll be like, yeah, it really was. <laughs> don't ask me no questions. Yeah, yeah. we'll make sure we put them on the list. <laughs> um... What else you want to? What else you want to get into? So um, we talked about how the movie wasn't very well received. Right. It got one nomination for an Oscar, but it was only for best costume design, and it didn't win. It was just a nomination, but it 
won a Razzie and got nominated for another Razzie. So uh, for those that aren't familiar, a Razzie is like one of the worst, it's like Razzies, like raspberries, like you're blowing raspberries at somebody. Nobody says yeah. that. But it won for worst screenplay. So I'm pretty sure that upset Eddie. And then it got nominated for worst director. Again, that was directed and coming at Eddie. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it only got a 21%. On IMDb, they've rated it a 6.1 out of 10. And then I think for Metacritic, it got like a 16. I thought I'd seen that, but I didn't jot that down because I don't give a shit about Metacritic. But I think it got a 16% um, enjoyable. However, thanks to Google and Yelp and all those kind of things that we use now, us, what do we call it? Millennials? Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not Generation Z, so. Hell no. Nah. That's our kids now. But I guess yeah. millennials, I'm not for sure. I don't really keep up with that. But thanks to Google, it has received a rating of 91%. So as people grow away from the old, I guess, the old criteria of what makes a good movie, and yeah. you move into modern day, all the crassness, uh, the way that things are shot, the type of humor that we have now. Yeah. It's it's been shown in a much better light. That's why we consider it a staple. Well, we considered it a staple before it even got those ratings. Right, and I'm sure that the, those critics um, who was giving those reviews was not looking like us. No, so they, they didn't, didn't get like the profanity. culture. Yeah, they didn't get the yeah profanity was another big thing that I seen. Um, they didn't get the culture. They don't understand the the comedy because uh, white comedy and black comedy is super different. It's a lot. Comedy in itself has so many different subgenres. Yeah. That's like slapstick. You've got like vaudeville. You've got dark comedies. You've got, the, it could go on and on. Every time somebody makes any type of movie, it's getting broken down. I mean, for what? This movie, when you look at what it's categorized as, it says what? Comedy slash mafia? Yeah. Like, why, why couldn't it just be a comedy? Why did it have to get broken down into the subgenre of it's, mafia? Instead it's of um, crime comedy dash drama film. That's what you got? Yeah, that's what it shows on my end. That's wild. I think I got this from just Googling it. It said comedy slash mafia. And I, I guess, again, it was to a different criteria. We talked about the profanity. The yeah. word fuck and its derivatives were used 133 times. <laughs> this is my kind of movie. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I like you. Can, I don't think you can really. Me personally, I don't think I can watch a black comedy without curse words. I don't think I can watch a black comedy without some sort of realness to it, and real life is black people cussing. <laughs> you, you use fuck. A, well, you you use fuck a lot. I do. I got a I got a potty mouth. I cuss like a sailor. I and I'm I'm not mad at it. You add like a certain type of seasoning to things when you add curse words. Can I express myself without using them? Absolutely. But is it fun? No. So you have to add in those little sprinklings of profanity and cuss words to further illustrate and highlight the points that you are trying to make. Yeah, because, well, fuck is just not really one of my words, but I use shit and bitch all the time. See, for me, it's, it's definitely fuck. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, fuck you use that shit all the time. Everybody that talks to me know. And 
it comes off to where like, I don't even realize that I'm saying it. But in this movie, I know that's how comfortable I am with the word. I watched it quite a few times, even twice today. And uh-huh. didn't notice. I didn't even notice that they were saying fuck that many times. <laughs> Cause it's like, it just r- rolls off my tongue just effortlessly. And apparently it did for everybody else. But with a cast like this, how could you not? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. So, cause you said um, the rating date was a, a 91 you said? For Google, yeah. But on Rotten Tomatoes, it was a 21. Yeah, I about to say, yeah, I seen a 21. Yeah, they didn't know what they were talking about. They definitely didn't. And Rotten Tomatoes has been around for a long time. And they said an all-star comedy lineup is wasted on a paper-thin plot and painfully clunky dialogue. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. There's so many quotables, so many funny moments. Um, That... That sounds like a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) And it sounds like, excuse my French, but it sounds like a panel of Caucasian people who did not get this type of humor. And outside of this movie, they probably didn't understand the humor of Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor or Red Fox or Ronaldo Ray or those type of comedians. They probably never watched any of their shows or any specials or any of their movies or anything like that. And were just presented with this movie. And this is what they thought about it as a whole, because each one of those people that are stars in this movie, they're stars in their own right. That is true. That is true. Um, I wonder. I wonder how much, um, how much of a, I don't want to say sacrifice, but how much each person had to give up or star wise, whatever to, to do this film. Because you like you like you said, everybody was their own star in their own right. Yeah. Um, then, were you gonna say I was about to talk over you? And then they to to give to trust Eddie Murphy, who's basically younger than them um, and to follow his lead. So I just wonder what that process was like. I didn't even think about that, about Eddie being kind of the the new guy in the game. Yeah. Giving all of these people, I don't want to say jokes, because I know that after reading that a lot of them had certain moments and some of the funniest moments and the funniest dialogue never made it to the movie. I would love to see what this behind the scene footage was like. Right. But I, I didn't even think about the fact that they were kind of taking a cue from somebody younger in the game than them. And they let him basically guide them to where they needed to be for his movie. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope, actually. I, I didn't even I didn't even think about that because we talked about it being three generations. The first being Red Fox, then Richard Pryor and then Eddie Murphy. That's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty big. And shit, if I'm Eddie and I just got all these people in my movie, I'm pretty much like feeling really, really good about where I am in life. Right. And and at the same time, I wonder how much pressure he was feeling too. Yeah. What to, did you say the budget was? The budget, um, it was and let me go back. Cause I didn't even I didn't even see the budget. I just seen what it made when I was just doing the my budget was 30 million. Damn, and it brought in 95 mil, which today I mean that's obviously a little bit more inflated, but that's dope as hell with all those people. That was the budget. And that's what they brought in. Yeah. So before we get into the actual plot and stuff of the movie, just some other little tidbits or trivia or whatnot. One thing that I found interesting that is in the autobiography of Richard Pryor 
During this movie, he actually thought that Eddie was being mean, mean to some of the cast, and then just mean in some of his improv jokes to where Richard said that he asked Eddie to tone it down and Eddie actually got upset. So Richard Pryor said that at the end of this movie, he left this movie thinking that Eddie Murphy did not like him because he asked him to stop being so mean. That's wild. Yeah. I can't see anything mean, and I also can't see Richard Pryor telling anybody to tone anything down. Not when we're talking about him catching himself on fire and prostitutes and stuff. Right. Uh, what, what, what was that? Uh, I forget the name of that joke. But anyway, but yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine somebody talking about cocaine and all the other stuff. Just are you being too mean? Yeah, but someone else during the filming of the movie said that Richard Pryor actually toned down the character of Sugar Ray from what was on the scripts. And they think it's because he had just gotten diagnosed with multiple sclerosis Uh while he was shooting and he kept that a secret. So I didn't know that he had just gotten that news prior to shooting. And that may have been why he kind of came at Eddie with the whole approach. Like, you know, maybe you want to stop being so mean and all this other stuff because of what he was dealing with on his, on his side, which Mm -hmm. is almost kind of reminiscent of, what we all just went through with Chadwick. You know what I mean? Actors dealing with real life situations and then it affecting or not affecting what it is that they're bringing to us on screen. So the the Sugar Ray that we see on screen is actually different from what was written down in the script or in the screenplay. And they think it's because of him being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis while he's at the beginning of him filming and then having to carry the weight of that while he's filming. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I guess it would. Because according to Eddie, like this was like one of the greatest moments of his life, him getting to work with certain legends. And then in Richard Pryor's book, which now I want to get the book after reading so many excerpts from the book, for him to to say that he actually left from that movie thinking that Eddie didn't like him. And Eddie on the other end is saying, this is a legend. This is like one of my idols. Right. Well, what Um, else? For this movie, so I Come seen on. something talking about um, there was, what is it? Um, there was a shooting that happened. I did not see that. I seen the sexual harassment case that failed for seventy five million, but I didn't see about a shooting. So there was a shooting that happened at one of the theaters, and uh, let me see if I can find it back up. Yeah, there was a shooting that happened um, November 17, 1989. Two men were shot and killed inside an AMC um, Americana 8 Theater in Detroit. Um, Goddamn Detroit. The shooting happened on opening night, taking place during a shooting spree in the film's opening. A 22-year-old woman um, who panicked and ran into traffic was critically was in critical condition for two days. Um... Uh, a 24-year-old Detroit man had shot an officer. Um, the gunman was wounded when the officer shot a back in the theater parking lot. The incident caused the theater chain to cancel showings of Harlem Nights. Um, wow. One, yeah. And then they said that introduced, I guess, um, it triggered um, metal detectors in AMC theaters. For this movie or just in general? For that movie, from that movie. Well, in general, but but result because of the uh, the shooting, because of the movie. 
So Harlem Nights is the reason why people have to, well, I, here in Lexington, there aren't metal detectors. Um, I mean, at movie theaters, we got them in schools, which as they should be, which yeah, is I don't, Yeah, we, I don't think I've ever been to a movie theater with metal detectors. Metal detectors? I haven't either. So it must That's have been wild. a short. But we also don't live in Detroit. That is true. It's so cold in the D. That is true. That's wild, though, that this movie and whatever happened then, the result was metal detectors. And this was this was back in '89. You said it happened in '89. Yeah, opening night in November. Yeah, I was about to say it dropped in theaters. Speaking of it dropping in November, Eddie had a quick ass turnaround for this movie. It was shot in April, May, and June, and then came out in November. Wow, that is fast. Yep, he was moving quick and coming to America, which a lot of people don't know, actually came out before Harlem Nights. A lot of people get it confused because Harlem Nights is a period piece. Yeah. They think that it's older, but they're only a year apart, not even a year apart. And Eddie did that first and then did Harlem Nights. So they both came out in 89? Huh? Or they both came in 89 or did um, Coming to America come in 88? Coming to America came out in 88. Okay. And then... Harlem Nights came out in 89. And those two movies were the only times that Arsenio and Eddie worked together. And now they're about to, well, they have worked together for Coming to America, the sequel. So that's that's wild that they didn't work with each other because Coming to America made it seem like they were like a dynamic duo, kind of like, you know, Martin and Will or whoever else you can think of that like yeah. worked really well as a team. But Coming to America and then Harlem Nights and then that was it. I mean, outside of Harlem, I mean, outside of Coming to America, I don't, I can't name another movie that Arsenio was in. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's purpose, purposely, or that's just the way things went, or we I just had a bad memory. Because I mean, he had his show <laughs> for a really long run. Right. So I don't know. Maybe that was just something that he didn't want to get into. That's, right. That's probably one thing. That's probably true. Yeah, I don't know. But I would say that this is a great movie to end our Black History Month. Okay, so Sugar Ray is uh, what I like to call a hood entrepreneur. Yeah. He has a whole house in the front, gambling in the back. While he's gambling, one of his errand boys, who ends up being a young Vernest Brown, shows up with his cigarettes, and he is a child. He's seven years old at the time. And when he comes in, there's a gentleman that is shooting dice uh, that does not like kids. He thinks that they bring him bad luck. Right. And he's arguing with Sugar Ray about getting the kid out of there. Sugar Ray is like, this is my place. The kid stays. The gentleman throws the dice, he craps out, and now he's pissed and he want to fight. Not only does he want to fight, but he's essentially trying to rob Sugar Ray, which is a hell no. Right. So Sugar Ray usually keeps a, uh, clearly, usually keeps a strap in the tuck and didn't have it where it was supposed to be. And the seven-year-old uh, rascal, we're going to call him a rascal because I can't think of a better word for him. Yeah. But that little boy ends up pulling the trigger on the guy that threatens everyone in there. And Sugar Ray essentially takes this orphan under his wing and raises him to be his son. So that's their backstory. That's why 
there's that bond between them. They're not biological father and son. However, Sugar Ray was basically that and then some. He grew his business, moved it on to something a lot more lucrative, a little bit more fancy, still illegal at the time. This is shot during Prohibition. I think during this time, it's the 30s. It's supposed to be Harlem, New York. Ironically, it's actually shot in Los Angeles. So when we see it, we're thinking it's New York, but that I think that the set directors and everybody did a really good job of making it feel like you were in New York because right. it's actually in Los Angeles. But then it moves on to Sugar Ray owns a candy store in the front. Well, he and his name Quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Burness ends up earning the name Quick. Yeah. Because he's quick-tempered. Right. Quick-thinking. And it, it just basically sticks with him. And I don't know why, but whenever certain people let that name roll off of their tongue, it's like they speak it with like such a presence. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just in Thomas Michael Ford's character where he just busts out laughing. But if you notice, everyone else that says his name kind of pauses afterwards. And I don't know if that's meaning something that maybe we'll never know or uh-huh. if it's just the way that it's it's just written just because like for it to be like just something that always catches your ear or whatever the case may be. So if you're yeah. watching, listen to after every time somebody says Quick's name, they kind of like pause afterwards or they smile or they laugh. Like it's it's really awkward. It's almost uncomfortable <laughs> the way that they act when they speak his name. Yeah. Um, Quick is now older. Sugar Ray is older. He is relying heavily on his team. Sugar Ray always kept a squad of people around him, which we listed all those actors in the beginning. And all of those actors, with the exception of like the mob people and the police officers, all those people are who help Sugar Ray get to where he is. And Sugar Ray takes care of his people. So this again is shot during Prohibition. And Prohibition is during an era where you're not supposed to have prostitution and alcohol is technically illegal. Right. Which so. we all, which we know, that it was illegal, but it wasn't illegal. <laughs> right, it was illegal, but if you had the money for it, you yeah. could get it. So Sugar Ray had his candy store in the front, and in the back he had like his his bar, Sugar Ray's little juke joint type thing, and gambling, and then in the very back, Vera still had her brothel where she's an honest hoe and all her hoes is honest, which I want to get put on a t-shirt, but I'm afraid I can't wear that out with my kids. But it's still a quotable nonetheless. So there is a local gangster. What's his name? Bugsy? Yeah. Bugsy Calhoun. Yeah. He is a local gangster and he basically owns Harlem at this point. And he sees that Sugar Ray's joint is doing numbers and his fall. Yeah. His numbers have started to fall. So he's upset. He's got police on payroll. He's got thugs on payroll. He's basically running the city and Sugar Ray is just trying to run an honest, dishonest business. Right. You want to take it up from there? You want me to keep going? No, I'm, I'm, I, you're a better uh, speaker on this, so I'm letting you. I'm what the, okay, so what ends up happening and is the, I guess the 
conflict in the story is that Bugsy sends in his goons to basically, and by goon, I mean Thomas Michael Ford and then Jasmine Guy's character, who is so fine. Dominique LaRue, she she is just fine. She didn't, she, hey, Whitley was killing it in the movie. But she and Thomas Michael Ford come in and assess the situation. They realize that Sugar Ray's joint is pretty much a cash cow. They take that information back to Bugsy and he decides to send a cop at Sugar Ray and let mm -hmm. him know that you need to start paying Bugsy to participate in what's going on or Oh, take it from you. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's the end of your business. So Sugar Ray, knowing that he is a hardworking man and he's worked very hard to get where he is, he comes up with a plan, some foolery, yeah. you say, um, to basically take care of everybody and then also to leave town. They hatch this crazy ass plot. Um, because they're doing numbers again, at the end of the day, there's gambling and they're doing numbers. People are betting on a fight where there's a black champ against this white contender. Everybody knows the champ is going to win. So they basically rig the numbers game, but not to necessarily like throw a fight, but to make them think that the fight is being thrown and then to swap money and pick up a pickup and just a whole bunch of crazy stuff to basically yeah. make sure he's getting his bread. And was it, was it he stuttering too? The, the champ? Yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. it gave me Mike Tyson vibes <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> that was probably one of the funniest parts of the movie is the fact that the, the heavyweight champ just kept stuttering, bless his heart. He was all brawn and definitely no brain, but yeah. um, he plays a, a very insignificant part in what Sugar Ray's plan is to hatch revenge against the cop, against Bugsy, against everything that's keeping him from taking care of his people. So right. I feel like this movie was the ultimate, what would you call it? I guess it was like the ultimate underdog movie. He got underestimated and thought that because he was in the situation that he was in, that he would just have to lay down and take it or, right, you know, die in the process. But he came from the bottom and worked his way up and then formulated a plan and they still came out on top. Quick thinking, classic underdog story and tons of comedic relief throughout the movie. Oh yeah, the the the, the funny scenes is just, it's like over the top, but it's like still like super funny. Definitely. I feel like any african-american that has seen this movie and not just not just black people but this is a continuation of black history month so i'm going to talk our shit so i feel like any black person that has seen this movie has probably quoted something from this movie at some point in their life yeah and then um this is we we just launched our the the facebook page and this movie got us the most comments <laughs> Because people wanted to name their um, like their favorite scenes and their quotes. Yeah, from the movie. Yeah. It's it's that certain part of our culture that everyone has seen. Everybody's got their own favorite, you know, line or their favorite actor. Or you watch it one time, but if you go back and watch it again, you find something else that you didn't see before. Like people trying not to laugh. I think I just noticed today when I watched it for the last time 
that when the Snackletooth guy, G2, has Sugar Ray in his hands and he's talking and he's spitting that, like, Richard Pryor is trying not to laugh, but is laughing on camera. And I was just like, he's just going to laugh right in front of everybody's <laughs> face? We right, can like, see you. Like it's a play. Little stuff like that. Not only that, to see some of these greats not on a stage, like Robin Harris. I've, I'm used to seeing Robin Harris like do stand up and stuff like that. So, so to see him not toned down, but dialed back a little bit, and he didn't right. have very many lines in this movie. But when you hear him speak, of course, all of us really know him from House Party and from the first half of Bebe Kids because he died halfway through the filming of Bebe Kids. Mm -hmm. And then his voice character was picked up by Faison Love. But it's nice to actually see some of these people face to face. And I don't want to say you get to know them, but it's almost like when you look at an old family photo and you be like, oh, I remember my uncle William and there's my aunt such and such. It's like mm -hmm. you watch this movie and you're like, oh, that's Ronaldo Ray. He was on that, what was that? It was some show that was on BET a long time ago with him and Miss Laura. I can't remember what it was, but just looking at certain movies like that or looking at actors like that and then remembering the last time that you saw them, um, I like this movie for that. He put everybody together. It wasn't super corny. It wasn't corny at all to me. No, like some it. of the star-studded movies can be, like all the scary movies by the Wayanses and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't do that. Screen. Yeah, you can put together a large ensemble cast and it not work or it looks forced. But this didn't look forced by such big personalities. So that is what I get the most enjoyment out of is that you can enjoy each one of those characters without them not canceling each other out. So because it's had a lot of scenes and, and classic quotables, um, which one like stands out the most to you? I would say the, the whole, I'm an honest hoe and all my hoes is honest. Yeah. When Della Reese is talking to Bugsy Calhoun because she's pretending to snitch on Sugar Ray. And she's just like, he's like, what's your name? And she's like, Walker, Vera Walker. And she was like, because I'm an honest hoe, Mr. Calhoun. And all my hoes is honest. That, for me, is like one of the funniest things ever, just to hear her like, dumbing herself down for the sake of trying to make sure that they all get out of this scot-free. Yeah. Uh, and then also the whole scene with um, Red Fox and him not wanting to put on his glasses and him calling his <laughs> dice game. Oh, uh, yeah. that was. And yeah. he can't see. And they make him put on these damn glasses. <laughs> then he was yeah. not happy with these damn glasses. That shit so was funny. That, those scenes, it's not so much the quotable, but it's just laughing at the faces yeah. and the reactions in these scenes. And then, I mean, Miguel Nunez with this damn, stop shooting that little motherfucker. That was going to yeah. be my shit. That's, that's funny as hell. What are your everybody, Everybody's doing all these, doo -doo -doo -doo. he's like. <laughs> but what do you expect me to do if, if y'all got all these automatics and I just got the like what do you expect me to do yeah, I gotta wait now, if I didn't shoot y'all be mad right that, so that I feel I would have just shot while y'all was shooting you're not gonna catch me on a solo shot <laughs> it was like poof <laughs> like it should have came out with the little flag like on the Acme and the Roadrunner little little joints when you shoot and the little shit pops out that's what it So now, um, you gave the plot. Um, 
Was there anything else that um, stuck out to you about this Harlem Nights? No, I think if we start talking about everything, we'll be here for forever. Yeah, so it was like will. really important to like keep a somewhat of a structure when talking about this movie. Yeah. I think it's a really good movie. I think it is great for a period piece. I think that the comedy is very well done. I think it has a great plot as well, which is why I can't believe that it got the rating. Well, if we're basing it off of profanity and the people that were judging it back then, uh -huh. then I understand the rating. And then I also understand why now, as people watch it while it's in our generation, that it's ranked so high. It has that that 91. And I hate that you can't undo that 21% on yeah. Rotten But quick um quick fact that I just I just read while skimming through some of these articles. So you know um the part that um Miss Delaray, her character. Reese. Yes. You know, no, no, no. Her character was originally supposed to be played by uh, Michelle Michael. Oh, Michael Michelle. The light skinned chick from um, New Jack City who played opposite of Wesley oh. Snipes. She ain't thick, though. I, I feel know. like. Della being in all of her glory and being huge and boisterous and getting into that fight with Eddie Murphy, I felt like it needed to be a more rotund. No, I'm sorry. You know what? I take that back. Not her part. Um, LaRue. Oh. Jasmine, Jasmine guys. Guys Yeah. Gosh. I guess. Jasmine killed that, though. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Dad, how do you know her? her name is Michael? That's what fucked me up. Michael Michelle? Maybe that's her stage name. Maybe it's not her government. No, that's her real name. I don't believe it. Born Michael Michelle Williams. That's weird. It's not weird. Nobody can say what's weird anymore. No, you can't. But no. How do but you she feel? was fired. She and was fired? Yeah, Eddie just said it wasn't working out. <laughs> <laughs> He was being mean. Yeah, and then she sued uh, Eddie Murphy, saying um, because he was because he was rejecting her because she was rejecting his um, advances. So is she the unnamed sexual harassment case for seventy five million that failed? Um, it don't go that much that far into it, but um, it said the lawsuit was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. Oh, then this ain't that then because there was a sexual harassment case and they said by an unnamed actress. So uh -huh. if you're reading that, then obviously it, it stayed unnamed, but whatever it was, it failed and it, it didn't go through because she had no um, proof of these claims. Yeah. That's wild. Well, Eddie got bread and everybody else got bread. And I like that Charlie Murphy's in there. We're, we're known, well, we're used to seeing Charlie on the Chappelle show and on Black Jesus and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you like blink, you kind of miss Charlie in this. Not because you don't see his face, but because he doesn't have much of a presence. Yeah. But if you see him, I mean, I don't know what it is about Charlie Murphy, but no, I know what it is. The outtakes from the Chappelle show and him in action make you laugh so then when you see him and he's just being still it still makes me laugh yeah, that's yeah, funny. It's, anyway, it's, it's stupid funny 
Yeah. Speaking of Black Jesus, it. whatever. Anyway, so how I do you feel about this movie? Like, sat down and like, um, of course, I like it. Um, I can see why it was an instant classic. Um, I think, of course, the 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 script or the dialogue was very. It wasn't like super complex. The storyline was a complex. It wasn't like something that you're supposed to make you think of everything. So, I mean, it's a comedy. See, I felt like the 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 get back scheme was kind of intricate. Or maybe it's because I felt like it was intricate because everything else in the movie was just like so just go with the flow-ish, just mm-hmm. like everybody vibing, having jokes. This is the scene. Let's get these jokes off. And then when it came to the plot of like how they were supposed to get back and and make sure that everybody was taken care of, I felt like the scheme or the plot was kind of intricate. Yeah, that yeah, that part. Yeah. The the initial scheme, but like the overall dialogue or the overall story of it. It wasn't that complex. So I'm just, I say that to say, I don't understand why it, it was getting not because it's a comedy. Um, how complex is a comedy? I'm curious as to how long ago Rotten Tomatoes rated it. Because just because we see that 21% yeah. doesn't mean that they rated it right when it came out. I'm not even uh-huh. sure when Rotten Tomatoes started. So now if, if it came out a little bit like Rotten Tomatoes rated it, not as long as we think it did, then it kind of negates what we were talking about. But I didn't see anything about like cis was it uh the older, I guess, critics, Siskel and Ebert and all those people. I didn't see anything from them. So I'm wondering what the Rotten Tomatoes or when it came out and why it gave it that rating. Because right. IMDB hasn't even been around a long time, but they gave it a 6.1 which if we're basing it on a scale from one to 10, giving it a 6.1 and then Rotten Tomatoes basically giving it a two, that's kind of far apart. Yeah, it is. So I'm wondering, I don't know. But I will say Eddie Murphy as an actor, director, writer, um, and executive producer for this movie absolutely worked. I can't say the same for anything else. Like, uh, what was it, Dr. Doolittle? And I'm sure he had a big hand in the casting as well. Uh, of course. So, so he probably played played the the part of the cast the, the casting director. So yeah. he did um Eddie Murphy's always been good at being a one man show. Yeah. Or keeping his people close to him. Yeah. And I think uh at the time I don't think he knew what comedic gold he was sitting on but he, I mean he definitely was I watched this movie my son my 11 year old constantly we play this game where we sneak up on each other and yeah. I'd be ready to punch him in his face <laughs> a lot of the time I catch him like I catch Devin all the time but today I was laying on the couch like kind of watching it and just like going over some of my notes and stuff and he scared the fuck out of me because I was laughing so loud but he said I almost laughed like three times when I was sneaking up on you because of what the movie was going on. So it's like funny because he's never seen this movie. 
in any capacity. But as he was trying to sneak from the hallway all the way up into the living room behind the couch and scare the shit out of me, he almost blew his cover three times because of what was going on. And then even after he scared me, we both looked at the TV and busted out laughing. So like this movie, I don't think is going to not be funny. Yeah, ever. it's not. In yeah, any it's capacity. Not. It's something that I, I think I can watch at any point. If I ever see that it's on TV, I can watch it regardless of what point it's on. And I think it's something that I'll, I'll constantly like watch to make me feel good. So on a scale of one to five shots, I definitely give it a five. I definitely give it a five as well. So that means we got to take a shot. That means we got to take a shot. Not that drink. You got that lemon juice too, don't you? I like this one. Like, this is the one I got from when I was on a, on a cruise. That's cute. I got a little fade. I'm gonna try to find something like that. That's really cute. I'm not going on a cruise. I'm terrified. Um, I don't. I'm, I'm not a fan of water. Um, it's not the water. I'm claustrophobic. Right. I'm just saying. Me. My thing was. I'm not. A, I'm afraid of. Not afraid, but I don't. I'm not a fan of water. So that was, was my really concern. Tight? Was it really tight? No, it wasn't. It's actually once you like moving around and walking around. It's like walking around. Through the mall. Even I'm talking about in your room. In a room, um, no, 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 it's not it's about the same size as probably like a like a, a teenage teenager's room. That second like room. Even height wise. Yeah, height wise is still yeah, it's tall. So you don't feel okay. Jump right back to this. I'm nervous. Um, I, so I in the case of Harlem Nights, I think that this was a excellent movie yes for anyone regardless of your race religion creed color sexual orientation sexual preference anything like that i think if you watch this movie right now there are things that you will definitely relate to things that you will definitely laugh at even if you don't relate to them and i think it's an important part of black culture and for me it's it's cinematic and comedic greatness it is and i agree with all of those sentiments well, we already took our shot. I guess that's it. Let's wrap this one up. I need a clapper right. so I can say clap. I know. That. <laughs> that's corny, but I'm going to get something. <laughs> We're going to uh, get one from Amazon or something. I thought about it, but somebody told me it wasn't a good idea. But I'll get it. Okay. <laughs> That'd be dope. It would. That's what I thought. Now you got to unrecord. I still recorded. I know you gotta stop recording. Oh, you, when you said unrecord, I was like, "Yo, you fucked me." Like, over stop. That. We're finished. Oh it's yeah, you, yeah. You, oh.